Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. This is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. The Denver Broncos lost to the Buffalo Bills 40 to 14. They are now 8 and 7 in the AFC West and tied with the hated Oakland Raiders. Simplest path to the playoffs is to win versus Kansas City. Colorado Avalanche have won 5 in a row, including a 3 and 0 week last week. They have wins over St. Louis, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. They are currently 19-17 and 17 in third place in the Northwest Division. They have a total of 39 points. Eighth place out west has 40 points, so they are in the playoff hunt. Your Denver Nuggets started the season off on the right foot with a 115-93 win over the defending champion Dallas Mavericks. Woo-hoo. Their 1-0 record is good for second place in the Northwest, and their home opener is Wednesday, 12-28, tomorrow night, against the hated Utah Jazz. And that is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, episode number 21. The Drinking Age podcast. The Drinking Age. This podcast is officially legal to drink. <laughs> As always, from denverstiffs.com, Nate Timmons is here. Everybody on the interwebs, hope you are doing wonderful on this windy Colorado evening. Ross Martin, how you doing over there in that fantastic looking John Elway jersey? Oh, yes. Thank you, uh, Nate. Uh, this was a present uh, for me from my wife. The 75th anniversary NFL season, home John Elway jersey. Yes, that's right. This is uh, the jersey he wore in 1994. And this <laughs> thing is authentic. Yeah, this thing is beautiful. I some, feel good just wearing this thing. Some kid in some sweatshop somewhere sewed that thing together <laughs> yeah, he just did, for and, you. And he did a damn good job. God <laughs> bless him. And we are the Colorado Sports Guys. Welcome to the show, everybody. There's so much to talk about today. We're going to talk about Drew Brees uh, just over the weekend here. Was it yesterday or the day before? Was, was it yesterday or Sunday? Gosh, I think it was Monday night. Was it? Yes. Yeah, so today's Tuesday. So last night he passed Dan Marino for the all-time season passing record. All-time right? passing yardage leader. Passing yardage. Yeah. Yes. What you said. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about whether or not that's a real accomplishment or if maybe the rules have benefited him and uh, there should be, as they say in baseball, an asterisk next to it. Then we're also, of course, going to talk about the Broncos and the Bills game and the Broncos next game against the Chiefs and their possibility of making the playoffs. There's a couple different scenarios that we will definitely break down. I think there's a former Bronco playing for the Chiefs. Haven't really heard who it is yet, but... I forget his name. We'll look that up and get back to you guys. Yeah, we'll Google it. (laughs) And we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets. The season has started. This is so exciting. So exciting. The Nuggets go out there and kick the crap out of Dallas. What What a great game that was. And then we have a top five list of the week. And this week will be our top five holiday sports wishes. 
So these are going to be the things that we wish for sports, maybe Colorado sports or, or just sports in general for the next year in 2012. But before we get into all of that, Nate Timmons, what's up with you, man? How you doing? Yeah, how was your Christmas? I'm doing well. You know, I think uh, everybody's got to get used to these these days, right? I don't know what day it is. I know it's Tuesday now because we're doing the podcast, but everybody, I think everything's kind of, I don't know what it is, discombobulated. Abs- discombobulated is a perfect word for it because yeah. I don't know what day it is. I've lost all concept of time. No one's been working. No one's been doing anything but eating food, opening presents, and watching sports. Absolutely, right? which is all good things. Yeah. Uh, speaking of watching sports, I had a, a nice invitation uh, to go to the Colorado Avalanche Tampa Bay Lightning hockey game on Friday, December 23rd. And that, my friend, was a real treat for me. I bet, man. How great was that? It was good. I was, I was trying to think before the game. I've been to a total of three Avalanche games. I went to, I believe, the inaugural year. I went to a Hartford Whalers and they're not even around anymore. I think they moved to, I don't know where they moved to, maybe Carolina. But I went to a Hartford Whalers avalanche game. The Whalers had uh, Brandon Shanahan on the team. He is now, I think, the league disciplinarian for the NHL. <laughs> uh, That's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, I went, to, I went to that game. He also played it for the hated Red Wings. I went to yeah. a avalanche Red Wings game when that rivalry was still you know, a bloodthirsty one. And uh, that was pretty cool. My my friend at the time had taken me, and his uh, his girlfriend at the time, uh, her dad was a coach for the Avs, so we got to do, uh, you know, we were down in the in the players' lounge area, kind of, where I guess where the family is and stuff. And so you kind of felt like yeah, it was it was a cool little bit, little bit of a big deal, maybe, you know. But <laughs> yeah. that was kind of fun, you know, different approach to a game. And then uh, this game against the Lightning, this was the third Avalanche game I'd have ever been to. That's crazy. Three games. Three games. After they've been here now for about 11 years. No, uh, 16 years. This is our 16th year in Denver. I've, right? I've watched a lot of Avalanche games on TV. I've watched a lot of the playoffs. Just I, don't make it down there to the stadium. I, I don't get into the to the games much. Uh, was able to go to this game. We, got, uh, we had pretty killer seats kind of behind the Avalanche's net. And we're up maybe, I think, 20 rows. But you could see everything perfectly, you know, right in front of us on the one end. Down at the far end, it was a little more hard to see, but at least you have one instead of the other, right? Absolutely. And the thing that I noticed in there, too, I guess I've noticed it. Uh, like I've mentioned on here, my little brother and my cousin both play hockey, so I've been down to the family uh, fun center or whatever that's called to watch some games. And it's cold in there. It was cold in Pepsi Center, too. Like, you better be where there's guys in there wearing, uh, you know, their winter coats. There's beanies. I'm wearing, I was wearing a sweatshirt. Didn't really feel like taking it off because it was it was a little chilly from the ice in there, you know. Absolutely, well, yeah. And you had a good time, and it sounds like the Avs won. Yeah, I had a great time, and uh, you know, it, it was Tampa scored first. The Avalanche battled back, uh, got a goal kind of late. They had uh, two goals waved off in the final like five minutes or something, and one was thrown in by one of the Avs players. It's pretty obvious that he grabbed the puck and threw it in the net. The other one was waved off. I don't know what they ruled on that one. I couldn't quite tell. I think maybe that the uh, Tampa goaltender had smothered the puck and then it really wasn't, but whatever. And then in overtime, you know, I was kind of – overtime was getting down to it. It was getting down towards the end of OT, I think maybe the last two minutes or last minute, and I was kind of going, maybe I want to see a shootout. Right. You know, the most uh, – kind of exciting, but Matt Duchesne didn't leave that door open. He scored uh, – came in on an impossible angle. It looked like he was only going to be able to throw it back to a teammate or he was going to throw it right into like the side of the net. 
somehow throws it in. I think it bounced off a skate or something, went in, and the place went bonkers. Pepsi Center was full. I mean, there was the, the, the nosebleeds. I don't even know if you can see the puck from up there, but there's people everywhere. You can't. You can't see the puck. Yeah. I can't see the puck on TV. No, you want to go back to the uh, Fox 31 when they had the glow stick on the on the puck I was, or whatever? Uh, the glow puck, yeah. I was one of the guys that thought that was cool because it was one of the first times in my life that I've ever tried to watch hockey. Again, that yeah. was probably back in 95 or 96, oh, yeah. you know, around then when the avalanche came and that was to kind of the Denver. F- and one, of, one of the first innovative things, you know, I mean, I think we got the first down digital marker a couple years after that or something, but this was really the first time that I'd ever seen technology kind of played with inside the game for TV purposes. Which is, you know, there's so many of those additions that have changed the viewing experience for people at home watching these games. NFL has done better than anyone on that as far as the line of scrimmage, the first down marker. I love the way they put the graphics up there when they have to get to a certain yardage in order to make a field goal that the guy has previously kicked or has a good percentage at. I love that. But that hockey glow puck was just overwhelmingly ridiculed. And I was one of the few people at however old I was, you know, maybe 15 or something, just being (laughs) like, yeah, this is great. I can actually see what's going on. It kind of felt like watching a, a video game. And uh, I had no experience watching hockey, so I loved it. But evidently, uh, the truest and the purest of hockey, which there is no no fan base that is more interested in being pure than that of the hockey fan. <laughs> right? They're yeah. almost annoying in that. Like hockey aspect. and baseball have those. Yeah, baseball has it for sure. Yeah, baseball <laughs> doesn't bother me as much. But in baseball, they have the strike balls and strikes indicator that they specially do during the playoffs, and maybe they do it all the time now. Uh, I mentioned before, I don't have cable or TV anymore, so I'm waiting for these leagues to catch up to me and let me watch these games on the Internet. But, yeah, yeah that, that balls and strikes things that's interesting. I don't think I like that very much because whether or not it's a ball or a strike, if it's close enough to the edge, it could go either way, I think. Yeah. Sometimes it's egregious, but but whatever. But, yeah, so you had a great time at the Avs game, your yeah. third game. It was fun, man. Uh, like I said, I mean, my, my some of my favorite things about being at the game – um, gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on what one of them is. I know, I know. Oh yeah, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a ton of Tampa fans there. Obviously, I don't know why they'd be here. They did show some up on the jumbotron. They got booed. I saw a guy walking around in a San Jose Sharks jersey. It's like, why are you representing the Sharks at an Avs Lightning game? But that's another topic. I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the podcast before, but I feel like there should be a rule that when you go into a stadium, you either need to be wearing a home jersey or the visiting team's jersey, or you should just get a white, you should be forced to wear a white t-shirt or a black t-shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I think. And then there was, also the, uh, there was also the kiss cam, which is always fun. And one of these days I'll be on the kiss cam, but it wasn't to be that night. Oh, yeah. But yeah. someday Some, I hope I get on there because I have it all planned out. Someday, buddy. Someday. But uh, what's up with you, dude? What have you been up to? Well, you know, Christmas was great. I had four days off of my day job, and I and Enjoyed every second of it. Got into the Christmas spirit. I did a little shopping on Christmas Eve, which is pretty standard for me. Got, <laughs> yeah. Woke up, got this uh, awesome Elway jersey. But you know what else I did? I listened to a lot of podcasts over the weekend. One, oh, yeah. One in particular I listened to. I listened to the South Stands Denver Fancast. Some yeah. of our, uh, our friends over there. And they had a very interesting guest on last week. Did they? They had none other than from DenverStiffs.com, Nate Timmons. Hey, that's me. That's you. <laughs> And I enjoyed it very well. You did a great job, and those guys always do a great job with their podcast. But one thing I didn't realize was that um, 
I was the IT guy. Yeah, I think I'm maybe I don't know exactly what IT is. I was well, just trying to I was trying to explain that you are, you know, in addition to co-hosting with me that you're over here running there, everything. There was no mention of co-host. You're just like, yeah, he, you said he's my IT guy. Well, I believe I also said that you know, in addition to talking, he's also he's running everything. He's my IT guy. I was trying to say that on there. I'm the IT guy. Oh, Ross. I'm just the IT up. guy. What the, Much what more the than hell, that, obviously. Man. You know, there's cooler words to say like the producer producer you know, i know i know the run i run the mixer and all the this stuff but the it guy the producer and the co-host what you do over there i mean you're, you're running everything you're trying to you know you're trying to talk as well very Forget impressive it, stuff. It's, what's done is done <laughs> what's done is done i'm glad to see that but uh, we're gonna take a break i did appreciate the lump of coal that uh you gave me <laughs> upon coming over oh gosh you can get nothing from me but uh, anyway good job over there and those guys do a great job uh, John and Colin, awesome, awesome podcast. Great if you're into Denver sports and hearing it. They got a very Howard Stern style over there. And they're, I've been, you know, I've been listening to them for a while. I believe maybe you have as well. And it was funny to just uh, to be in studio with them and just kind of see their animations. And you know, it was a good time. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Drew Brees and the rule changes. Does that uh, contribute to his? new milestone of getting this record that has been 25 years or 26 years. This record has been in place from Dan Marino. We're going to talk about that. And uh, we're also going to talk about Broncos, Broncos, Bills, Broncos, Chiefs, all that fun stuff. We're going to be right back after this quick break. We'll come back with Nate Timmons and Ross, the IT guy. (laughs) Damn it. So earlier in the year, I don't remember which episode it was, but we had talked about our top five quarterbacks of all time. And I had most of the guys I had were still playing. I think Joe Montana and John Elway were my number one, number two. And I didn't have anybody else. Remind us again, who is your number one? Joe Montana. Gosh. And John Elway is number two. I think you could make an argument either way, but uh, I, love, I mean, I'm wearing his jersey. I love John Elway. That's why you're the IT guy. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, ah. I am. I got a pager too. That's cool. But uh, <laughs> um, but no. So uh, we had talked about that. I think uh, I don't know. Did Drew Brees show up on your list? I I don't remember if he did or not. I know he showed up on mine because he's just a prolif- such a prolific passer. He, yeah, I, I think he was my number 5 or 4 somewhere up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he deserves to be on it either way. And uh he kind of proved it the other night uh, against the game against the Falcons there. Uh he ended up surpassing Dan Marino's record for all-time yardage pass passing season. How did you put that? You put it better than me earlier. Uh NFL passing yardage leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Single season. Single season passing yardage leader. Yeah, and and what a what a great accomplishment. And I, it, you know, even last week when we were talking, Carl Mecklenburg, he was talking about how the game has changed, about how the the rules now have made it a kind of a different game than the way it was when he played. And this season we had, and I don't even know, maybe Carl had even mentioned this that there were a handful of guys that were at midway through the season on pace to beat. 
Dan Marino's record. And so what I'm wondering is, is, should this be considered a legitimate record-breaking season, or is he just living in a time where it's easier to do that? And by that, I'm asking, is, would, if Dan Marino was playing today, would he have thrown 6,500 yards or 6,000 yards in a season? And I, part of me is thinking, you know what? Uh, Drew Brees is an excellent player. And, yes, the game has changed a little bit with some of those pass interference rules. But I, I don't, you know, I feel like, I don't know. What do you think, man? I mean, this, this record has stood since 1984. And I believe, I can't remember who Marino I can't remember whose record he broke. I don't, do you have? Oh, I actually have no idea. Okay. And it was something where that one hadn't stood for that long. I think it was maybe, I don't know, five to seven seasons, somewhere in there, something like that. So this one, you know, has stood since 1984. I was, you know, just barely two years old at the time. You know, I mean, that's a, it's a longstanding record. And I, and I, I did, you know, take some, Mecklenburg had told us, you know, that there was a lot of guys that would show up in training camp that would do really well, and then when they'd start taking hits, they'd kind of fade away. You know, and you kind of see that with some guys like, you know, maybe a Brady Quinn here or something, but I don't think it should be taken away from Drew Brees. I mean, that's just kind of the way things happen. You know, things change. In baseball, you see the home run record fall, and a lot of people point to, you know, the ball being juiced, the players being juiced, the walls in the outfield are shorter now. I mean, they built that short home run porch for Barry Bonds out there in right field in San Francisco. You know, things change, and you got to kind of maybe you can't really compare Breeze to Marino, but you can compare Breeze to you know guys in his generation now. You know, I mean, he broke this record. He's got you know Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers in close competition with him. I think I think Brady's going to go over Marino's record as well this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, he probably will. And that's the thing is that having a a record stand for that long and then have multiple guys break it or at least come very near to breaking it in one season. You saw that with you saw with the home run record, both McGuire and Sosa surpassed Roger Maris that year. Right. And it was. Yeah, it's it's sad to see that. Did I say Roger? I think it was Hank. Hank Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you see, you see those guys pass that record, and you try to think, you know, what is it? What does it mean? What does it mean for sports these days? And I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, it is, it is kind of sad to see because in football you do see the receivers having all these, you know, their benefit of all these rule changes. The quarterbacks benefit from not being able to hardly be hit anymore. You know, but you do still see but, hard hits. You do still see a lot of blitzing. I mean, but there's a huge difference too in that comparison, right? I mean. First of all, the record that Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and then Barry Bonds demolished right. was a lot longer standing record. Yeah. Completely different game. Uh, then, but then you add in the steroids. Then you add in the juicing of the ball. Then you add in the height of the mound. And I, I, I feel like this is a little different. And if Drew Brees wasn't the type of guy who could lead his guy to his team to a Super Bowl win then I think that you might be able to question a little bit more and say, you know what, maybe he doesn't deserve as much recognition, but he has been there. If it was one of these guys from, like, you know, the Houston Cougars or the the Hawaii Warriors when these, you know, Colt Brennan and this Kasem guy or whoever Houston's quarterback is now, they put up these, you know, huge numbers in college football, but they don't tend to mean anything because they come against inferior competition, right? Yeah. So you're kind of saying maybe this carries more weight because Breeze is doing it against – you know, stiff competition plus his team is good. His team is, 
you know, maybe a Super Bowl, uh, definitely a Super Bowl contender. It's Absolutely. either going to be them or Green Bay, probably. Absolutely. Hey, the NFC is looking pretty tough. And on top of that, Drew Brees is also, we've talked about it before, he's a leader. He's the type of guy that can go out there and rally the troops and get everybody to want to play for him. So I think we're kind of in agreement there. Give him credit. We love it. I'm proud of him. I think it's awesome. I've said before, I think Dan Marino maybe have been, has been a little bit overrated in his career, um, especially and, because he's never been uh, taken to the distance. He's never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and how about whoever's record Marino broke? Does, does that guy have a gripe about, well, hey, the rules have been changed for you, Dan. You know, maybe you know, the innovations in the forward passing game by the time Marino started playing were above and beyond what was going on you know, just five to ten seasons before that. Yeah, and there's always going to be debates about that type of stuff. Right. And so, absolutely. But, you know, Breeze couldn't do it against, you know, these cornerbacks are superior athletes now, too. Wide receivers are better. Cornerbacks are better. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Denver Broncos. <laughs> lost. We, gotta, we have to God, talk about that game. What a brutal, <laughs> brutal game, man. What do you think? I mean, I... You know, it, it was such a boring and sad game to watch. I will not lie. I spent a lot of the time drifting in and out of sleep um, because it was just really painful to watch. It was like a defense mechanism built into my body that couldn't watch what was going on because I really wanted them to win, and I thought that we were a better team. I thought the Broncos were a better team, but... Is there is there anything to take away from this game that makes you really worried? Or this is kind of a funny game. I uh, I recorded it. I watched uh, the opening drive. Denver took the ball right downfield. I think they threw the ball twice. Ran the ball right down Buffalo's throat. Uh, Buffalo comes back. They have you know get decent field position a few times. Their field goal kicker misses two easy, pretty easy. Matt Prater would probably say they're pretty easy field goals. Uh, and then I had a had a little lunch date, went to lunch, had the game recorded, came back, planned on, you know, probably just sitting down, watching the whole game from the DVR and seeing what was going on. Uh, come back, get a text message from my buddy that's a Tebow, uh, not a big Tebow fan, that just says Tebow with an exclamation point. And I'm going, uh-oh, what just happened? Yeah. So I get back, turn on the score, and it's, you know, they just rung up their 40th point. And I was going, oh, no, you know, so you go back and I, I go back and watch the game, but it's with like no enthusiasm, just fast forwarding commercials, breezing through this and that. And it's just, I, I, here's how I thought of the game. The Buffalo bills did to the Denver Broncos, what the Broncos want to do to other teams. They didn't turn the ball over. They were able to run the ball. CJ Spiller, 111 yards, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the interception machine through no, no interceptions, you know, so that Buffalo played a turnover free game. They had a good running game. They limited what their quarterback was doing. They protected, protected their quarterback. And then defensively, they were able to you know, create opportunities by getting these turnovers. That's exactly what the Broncos want to do, right? Yep. So the, the Broncos, uh, I guess, got broncoed in this game. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that that game was brutal to watch, and it was hard, and Tebow threw four interceptions, and we got demolished, right? It was very similar to what happened against Detroit earlier in the season. But there's certain things that I liked about what we saw. And I mentioned this last week. I said, I would like to see the Broncos risk losing their playoff spot if they can make some, if they could take some risks a little bit. Now, yeah. it's not like Tebow 
threw the ball 40 times, which is kind of what I was getting at, right? I mean, I was thinking, you know what? It would be great if they just opened it up, let him throw the ball forever. I think he threw the ball 30 times, which is pretty, you know, that's a lot of passes. That's kind of, you know, like right in there, like where you would want. But he only completed well, 13 also, of them. And they're also kind of forced to open up the passing game being down such a large amount, right? That is true. But they also had uh, seven completions or seven different receivers that uh, Tebow made completions to, which I love because, you know, it was nice to see Demarius Thomas go out there and get four catches. He had 76 yards. That's a pretty decent game, right? You know, and then you see that they went through and passed the Rosario, Fells, uh, Johnson, and then uh, they passed the Willis and Green and Royal and all these guys. And they're really, I feel like they are doing what I would want them to do which is start testing Tebow a little bit more pushing him outside of his comfort zone and again you like you said maybe that was part of just the situation of the game but I like that aspect of it I think that we're trying to we're starting to figure out or starting to see more about what Tebow is about and they always say you win more in losses than you or you learn more in losses than you do in wins because it's very hard to be critical of what happens when you win a game. Because no matter what happens, you throw four picks, you say, oh, we won it. You know, it's okay. You know, everything, the slate's clean. But it was nice to see that. And it was nice to see that, um, honestly, it was nice to see that the Broncos, as much as we were relying on the magic of the season, that that magic is fleeting and it, and it's gone now. The, the, it's no longer a magical destiny filled season where there's something special about them. Now it's like it's football. This is week 17 coming up and we're going to be playing the chiefs at home in a make or break situation. But yeah, it's not necessarily make or break because they could get in if they lost. Am I wrong? Yeah, they could. I, I really like that point, man. That's good that it's, it's no longer this, uh, it's not the Broncos winning these games. It's something else. Now it is. It's back to, yeah, your luck is out. You know, the Cinderella's glass slipper has been shattered. So you guys, you know, have to now, to use a horrible cliche, lay it on the line, right? Like they have to go out and beat Kyle Orton and the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, this Chiefs team that has, you know, beat the Green Bay Packers, came within, you know, a few plays of being able to beat the Oakland Raiders, lost in overtime. Uh, and it is going to be, it's, it's time to see, you know, Tim Tebow throws four interceptions. I believe they said after his third that he'd never thrown three in a game dating all the way through his career at Florida. Because he hasn't thrown enough. He hasn't thrown a ton, <laughs> but I mean, still, when you throw it 30 times, it, it is a risk to happen, whatever, but. But that's the thing, right? I mean, if you just keep calling plays as an offensive coordinator or head coach, you keep calling passing plays where it's the easiest possible pass to make and you make a lot of receptions, then Tebow's not learning enough. He's not... He's not learning how to read defense, go exactly. through his progressions. And some of those picks he threw, they were well-thrown passes if the defense wasn't there. <laughs> they didn't have a roaming safety to come over and take those picks. Right. So that's good. I mean, that's the way that they... He needs to fail more. And I give him a break on that third one because that defensive end just made a hell of a play. You know, and came that's out true. behind him. It was either a fumble... You know, could have been a fumble if it would have hit the ground. Maybe you know, that would have been up for a challenge. But you know, luckily the ball went high enough in the air for Buffalo that they were able to pick it off. But yeah, you do want to. I do want to see him, like you're saying. You know, learn how to, you know, what throws to make and what throws not to make. Maybe you can't make every throw. He does a pretty good job at you know chucking it out of bounds when he feels like he he can't fit it into a window. But I think this will help him more. Yeah, like you said, you learn from your mistakes. You're learning where this Buffalo defense was 
you know, able to fool you into some coverages, into some passes. You know, we're going to get to see I'm, – I'm, I continue to be impressed with Jeremiah Johnson's speed. I want to see him become more part of this uh, – a bigger part of the offense. I want to see that, you know, what this running game is going to do. I want to see these young receivers continue to step up. I'd like to see the tight ends, like you had alluded to, you know, starting to make some plays in this offense as well. And uh, it, it's all going to come down to, you know, who executes best next weekend. And yeah, they, I believe they can get in if, if they lose and if Oakland loses as well. And I think, yeah, if the, yeah, could, does Oakland play at San Diego? Yes. Yeah. So if the Chargers win, we're in no matter what. Right. Right. Yeah. But you'd like to see, you want to see him beat the Chiefs. You don't want to, as they say, back into the playoffs, right? Absolutely not. And, and you know what? I, I don't even care about the playoffs. I just, I'm going to be at that game on Sunday and I'm going to be wearing my new jersey. And uh, I've never owned a Broncos jersey in my entire life. And I've always thought that would be such a great gift. And now this year I got two of them. I got this Elway one. My dad bought me a Champ Bailey one. So it's like I want to wear, I want to have two games left that I can wear a jersey to. So we better beat them. And I always want them to win at home. I've always said, not always said, but this season I've said, win at home, (laughs) beat the rivals. If they went eight and eight, but won eight home games and lost eight road games, that to me is a successful season. And we talked a couple weeks ago with John Bain over at Mile High Report. He said this season's an absolute success, and I agree with him no matter what happens. And uh, just because it was so exciting to watch it. Now, there's a couple things that have happened during this game that I think are going to be have pretty significant things. Brian Dawkins re-injured his neck. Okay. That is devastating. He is the emotional leader on that team. Both safeties now are rookies, Raheem Moore and Quentin Carter. Yes, and also Chris Harris is now injured. He uh, has a pinched nerve, I believe, in his back or neck or something like that. You got to be able to give him a shot. He should be good to go. I hope so. Uh, I think that might be one of our more devastating injuries, to be honest with you, because I feel like Chris Harris is sure-handed tackler playmaker yes a a kind of an unsung hero on a lot of our victories this year a lot of the credit has gone to tebow and a lot of the credit has gone to von miller doomerville dawkins that type of thing i think chris harris has been an integral part of our team not a starter per se but he is uh definitely he's a guy that should be battling for a starting job next year absolutely absolutely i love that guy and then um what else here we got uh oh gosh we even talk about officiating Officiating? The officiating in this game? Was it not just deplorable? <laughs> yeah, it, I've been surprised by kind of how bad some NFL games have been. I mean, it, I, I think even on that, that punt return where that Buffalo guy stepped out of bounds twice and they still gave him the touchdown, right? I mean, it's. If you're a Buffalo fan, he didn't step out. If you're a Bronco well, fan, he stepped out. Was that. Was, I, I don't know. I tried to be as unbiased as I could, and I was like, it definitely looks like his heel is over the line. But you know what? It wasn't like he may have stepped out because he got pushed. So, you know, when I was watching that, I said, he deserves the touchdown. Give it to him. It was a heck of a play. It was, too, yeah, it was a great, great play. But, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that when that is on the line there with the Broncos. Our guy gets called back, but that's just my own personal <laughs> know, bias. Yeah. And that whatever. awful call on the phantom Eddie Royal kick return? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, that was just a case of a ref throwing a flag from a bad angle. It was. And oh, it was, totally was. Even yeah. on that Buffalo punt return, if you look, if you watch it behind the play, I, I saw two clips on that play. And it's like you're going to call the Broncos for this phantom clip and then they get away with two and they get a touchdown out of it? Yeah, the only answer to that is having instant replay on every single play. <laughs> and they look at every single player and determine whether or not there was a foul committed. And I don't want yeah. that. So I, w- I would rather see it go back the other way and just be like, ah, let them play and blah, blah, blah. Ross, I don't know if uh, 
if you saw this news, we mm. got a little news on the Broncos. Mm. Vic Lombardi of CBS had tweeted out the uh, the Pro Bowlers. I saw this. You did? I'm pissed off. We have, I am uh, utterly – I am irate. We got, I am so, so mad. The three that made it, Elvis Dumerville, Von Miller. Deserve it. Champ deserve Bailey. It, deserve it. We have uh, a bunch of alternates, Tim Tebow, Matt Prater, Brennan Colquitt. What is up with that? Ryan Clady, Willis McGahee, and Brian Dawkins are all alternates. Okay, first of all, I'll say this. I don't think Tebow deserves an alternate. I'll say this. But the fact that Britton Colquitt is not a starting punter for that Pro Bowl team is ridiculous. I don't know who got the first. Is it Leckler from the Raiders? It doesn't matter. It's despicable. Britton Colquitt is the most. I can understand why Prater maybe didn't get in because he kind of had a rough start to the season. He had a few misses there, and I even lost faith in him, but now obviously I'm back on board. But <laughs> Britton Colquitt is the most dynamic, effective punter that I have ever seen. And we've had a lot of good punters in Denver, but this guy is like Phil Mickelson shooting at the green from 150 out. He is incredible. How he's not starting, I don't know. Congratulations, Britton, for being an alternate, but that is ludicrous, and people just aren't paying attention. Yeah. They're just not paying attention if they don't see what how he actually affects the the outcome of games with the way he plays. I was also kind of surprised that Ryan Clady made it because I believe I'm, I'm not sure if I'm still correct on this, but he's one of the leaders in uh, holding penalties at the left tackle position in the AFC, maybe oh, in the entire NFL. Didn't know that. I think there's been a couple. I think Chris Cooper, Zane Beatles, maybe even J.D. Walton, maybe deserved a nod ahead of uh, ahead of Clady there. Because that interior line for the Broncos has been fantastic. Uh, absolutely. And another thing of note uh, I read today, that the Broncos' offensive line is the only offensive line to play intact for the entire season. That's amazing. And you had mentioned that last week or the week before, and, and I, I thought that was cool, but I didn't realize they're the only one out of 32 NFL teams. So yeah. that's cool. I think the Packers have had basically everyone get hurt on their offensive line. Right, so. yeah, yeah. So before we get out of this segment, this week, Chiefs, what do you think? What, what should we look out for? What Kansas should... City played two tough games at home in Arrowhead where they usually have a pretty good crowd behind them. The Packers were their Super Bowl. The Raiders were you know, a Super Bowl as well for them. The Broncos game this weekend is going to be a Super Bowl for them, but they're not going to have that friendly crowd. I think Denver is going to win this game going away. I don't think there's any question the Broncos win this game. I, I don't usually say that. I, you know, I'm usually kind of reserve my jest for loving this team, and sometimes I, you know, I'm on the fence. But this one time, I think we're going to win this game. I think it's going to be a great game. Kyle Orton, Tim Tebow, a lot of implications here outside of the game itself. A lot of drama going on. It's crazy how this has come, how it's come to this. You know, it always <laughs> works out like that, doesn't it? Always. I mean, it's a very, NFL is a very small world. People like to say it's crazy, but you know what? That's just the way it goes. There's 32 teams. There's not that many players worthy of starting as a quarterback for an NFL team. Uh, so, I, you know what? I don't think it's like that abnormal, but I think it's very fun, very fun to watch. I cannot wait to go to this game. I know there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans there because there always are a lot of Chiefs fans in Mile High. But I don't care. I'm going to put on a happy face and enjoy my time. It's going to be, what is that going to be, January 2nd or 1st? One of the two. I don't know. I might be a little hungover for that game. Yeah. You know? But 
It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. January 1st. Yeah, January 1st, the day after. national. It's called National Hangover Day, right? So yeah. uh, a lot of people are going to be a little irritable. But, hey, everybody, get out there. Get there early. Cook up some food. And uh, anything you want to add before we get out of here and uh, talk about the Nuggets? No, man. That's all I got on the Broncos. Get that win this weekend and get in the playoffs. Awesome. And we're back, Colorado Sports Guys Podcast, talking about the Nuggets. Denver Nuggets started their season last night with uh, an incredible game. Absolutely picked apart the Dallas Mavericks, which felt pretty good to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think you can even say, uh, I guess you could narrow it down and say, uh, great first and second quarters, great first half, and then they just kind of uh, did enough in the third and fourth quarters to make it go, to, to finish it off. The fourth quarter was boring. Fourth quarter was foul-filled. The refs were giving everything to Dallas, and it was just kind of like, can we end this thing? Can we just get – I mean, the first three quarters flew by, and this one's like, whistle, whistle, whistle. It's like, come on. Yeah, and it's like, okay, <laughs> um, here we go again with the same old bull crap about how the Nuggets try to – or the refs try to even up the game a little bit by – paying attention to the foul count and getting the guys to the line. And it was just kind of like, okay, here we go. Another boring fourth quarter. But, you know, as far as the game went, were you impressed? Satisfied? I was was highly impressed. I mean, Dallas, of course, everybody, you know, they came off winning the championship last year. They have a lot of different players in place. They don't have – they lost both their shooting guards. They lost their dynamic young point guard, J.J. Barea, that was kind of their Ty Lawson player, really came in, completely changed the pace of the game. They lost their starting center, Tyson Chandler. So their teams, you know, they got ran out of the building the night before against Miami. The Nuggets come in, and it was like when you when you play a back to, a team that's playing their second game of a back-to-back, you want to step on their throats early. You want to give them no hope to being able to come back, and Denver did exactly that, exactly what you always want to see because sometimes you'll get involved in those games and you get kind of lulled into a close game, and then all of a sudden the tired team's going – Maybe we have a shot to steal one here. Let's let's pick it up a little bit, you know? And the Nuggets, I mean, after the first half, it was 69-42. to 42. What are the Mavs going to do? In the third quarter, the Mavs would make a little run of, like, you know, four to nothing, and the Nuggets would hit two shots, and it's back to, you know, close to a 30-point lead. So it's like, you know, it, it was just nice to see the Nuggets finish off a team the way they should. Was this because they were just uh, fired up first game of the season and they were all excited and then went out and beat a team that had played their first game the night before and they were just kind of not used to the, you know, the cadence of a regular well, everybody basketball was, season? Or what was the, like, do you think, do you and, think it was a, an anomaly or what? No, everybody with Dallas is, all their starters are over 30 years old, Jason Kidd being the oldest at 38. Their two main bench guys, Lamar Odom, Jason Terry, both in their 30s. I guess not all five starters because they started Delonte West over Vince Carter. Delonte's only 28, but this, this is a veteran team. You know, they know, they, sh- they know how to play in the NBA. They've been doing it for years, all of them. So, you know, they shouldn't have – you'd think that they'd want to win one of their first opening home games, you know, and, and the Nuggets just really were just playing at a different pace. I mean, it really just looked like 
it looked like the Nuggets were the defending champs, and it looked like the Mavericks were a team that got bounced in the first round. Can the Nuggets maintain or keep up this frenetic pace? I mean, that game last night was so fast-paced. I mean, it looked like it was two different teams, you know, caliber teams playing. The Nuggets looked younger, which they are. They looked faster, which they are. Now, can they keep that up? And will there be, they be able to discipline themselves moving forward? Or is it going to be like, okay, you know, the Mavericks are a wily veteran team that realizes this game really doesn't mean that much because it's the second of 66 games. I think that the Nuggets are going to be able to play this way because, you know, George Carl, this is, this is the way he always wants to play, the way he has always played. Tough defense lead to a chaotic offense. You know, you want to push the pace. You want to go for fast breaks. This Nuggets team is 10 guys deep. They played 10 guys last night. They, they really probably played nine. They worked Corey Brewer in because uh, of such a big lead. I don't know if he would have played had it been a closer game. Maybe he would have because he's a, he's a pretty good defender. But they played 10 guys last night. They, have, uh, they still had Costa Kufis, Kenneth Fareed, the exciting rookie, and DeMar Carroll. Um, who didn't really play. Kufis played three minutes at the end. But, I mean, this Nuggets team potentially has 12 guys that they can just keep coming at you with fresh waves of players. You see some of these guys, like Dallas is really trying to rely on seven guys, maybe eight, maybe nine at the most. But it's like those teams are going to be the ones that get worn out. The Nuggets played two guys last night, played over 30 minutes. You know, I mean, part of that's a lot of that's due to the blowout. But I also think that you're going to see nine or ten guys on this team racking up major minutes. Mm-hmm. And with this compressed schedule, that many guys, that young of a team, this is the perfect perfect way to do it. The only guy that I might be a little worried about is maybe Andre Miller because he's kind of the, the older veteran backup point guard. If he's going to be logging heavy minutes, can he maintain that at this you know chaotic schedules, the pace that it's going to call for? But Well, I mean, Andre Miller's the guy who has been around long enough to where he knows how to pace himself. Right. He knows when he can bring himself out of the game. He also put up 18 points in that game. <laughs> yeah. What about Timothy Mozgov here? One point? I mean, is that what we expect? From, I mean, he's on pace to score 66 points this season. <laughs> I had, uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> but uh, I wrote the, our recap on Denver Stips of the game, and what I noticed about Mozgov is he's – when we had a we had a guy here a few years ago named Dante Jones before uh, before Aaron Aflalo came in and took his spot he signed with Indiana but Dante was a guy that started the game in the first quarter he'd come out about halfway through for uh, for J.R. Smith or um, or Ty Lawson one of the two and you know he'd come out of the game and then we wouldn't see him again really until the third quarter and that's kind of what we saw with Mozgov he yeah, started he played fourteen minutes in yeah this game. he starts the game he kind of disappears nene rolls back into the center position for much of the the end of the first quarter for much of the second quarter um Mozgov comes back out starts the third quarter plays you know some of that kind of disappears i can't remember if he came back in the fourth or not maybe he did but yeah we only see 14 minutes i think that he's gonna have to but he only committed one foul so i was kind of surprised that his minutes were limited when he was playing pretty clean basketball but he did. He boxed out well. He only grabbed three rebounds, but he was preventing his man from being able to get anywhere. There was one over the back that was not called for uh, Dallas on there. Well, whatever. Uh, so, I mean, you see you see, Mozgov. He's going to have to earn some trust from George Carl. You know, he's going to have to prove that he can stay on the floor. But at the same time, I think Carl really needs to put some trust into Timothy as well. You know, you can't. But he is he is talented. He he only had you know I think he got fouled on his one shot attempt that he took. Um, 
hit one or two free throws, but I think as he gets more comfortable <laughs> playing out there, you're going to see more out of him. This oh. is such a small sample size, and you're going to need him against bigger teams. When we're playing the Lakers, when we're playing the Grizzlies, he's going to have to be out there more than 14 minutes unless Denver's entire season is going to be about small ball, which I don't think it should or could be. So. I love your optimism about Mozgov. I really do. Oh, I love Mozgov. Wow. But I pretty... am one of the uh, the co-founders of the Mozgov Militia. You are? Yes. That's, I didn't know that. There might be three of us, but there's at least two of us. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, pretty ineffective, though. 14 minutes. Uh, he has to earn his spot, I guess, from you can George say Carl, he's ineffective. But he did start, but, yeah. I mean, you know, he had, what, three rebounds? Uh, he has three rebounds, but at the same time, there was a drive. Uh, I think it was Sean Marion or Vince Carter, one of the two, is going in for a dunk you know that you can you can see once they start their move that once they get near the paint they're thinking dunk Mozgov steps in and they pass the ball off it's like oh well never mind that changed when you have a seven foot one guy in there he's going to affect the game in more ways than just what you read in the box score you that's know? that's absolutely true defense does uh is an unheralded skill in the nba there's not any stats other than block shots and steals, there's a lot of things. I mean, if you're a good defensive player, you might not get a lot of blocks just because you're playing good enough defense to the guy you're guarding. You won't even get the ball passed to him because you're a good gap defensive player. Now, what about Rudy Fernandez? He played 30 minutes, um, scored eight points. He's new to the team. Uh, By the way, I did check out some pictures of him. I didn't think he was that handsome. Yeah, he, t- he has some different different looks to him. I mean, he's, maybe he's got like cool hair, like style or something. I, <laughs> if you I don't get a know. chance, uh, wasn't my type. If you get a chance to follow him on Twitter, he does uh, mention that him and his girlfriend are out tonight in an Italian restaurant. Go ahead, click on her Twitter. Believe that she may be some sort of supermodel. Oh, so he's doing he's doing okay. I mean, at least someone finds him attractive, right? <laughs> but I mean, you look he's at his pick of all the hot girls in Spain. Yeah, that's probably a pretty good uh, pool from sure. which to choose. <laughs> so you look at the Nuggets bench. You have Rudy Fernandez. He's he's taking the role of J.R. Smith, your streaky scorer off the bench. You know he can handle the ball really well. He can play some some spot point guard duties for the team, like he did in Portland. Uh, you had Al Harrington. You know, Rudy scored eight points. Al Harrington scores 18 points. He started out on fire. He was like four or five, hit his first two three-pointers. You have Andre Miller that had 18 off the bench. Chris Anderson contributed four, and Corey Brewer with five. So you have, you know, you have five or six guys that can come in and get you points. You have two, three of them, really. Miller, uh, Harrington, and Fernandez are going to provide all your scoring pop off the bench. And, you know, when that, when that, you look at the starters for the team and you're going, those three off the bench could probably start for a number of teams. Andre Miller, for sure, could maybe start for half the teams in the league. You look at Al Harrington, there's some rosters that could probably use him in the starting lineup, and Rudy hasn't gotten a chance. Maybe he could in a, on, a, on some select teams as well. But then you look at our starting lineup, you had you know, Ty Lawson leading the team with 27 points. Which was, I, you know, I thought he played really well. Uh, I liked that you know, he, he was 10 for 15 from the field goal range, which is a perfect you know, it's exactly where you want a guy like him to be, you know, and then you also have him hitting three, three pointers, which is great, but he cannot be leading our team in three pointers moving forward. And it was just kind of, well, if you're going to leave him open and he's going to hit the shot, I wouldn't mind seeing him hit three well, or four. Well, sure. But as the, as the point guard, just from a, you know, strictly basketball standpoint, you don't want your point guard leading the team and you're definitely going to need more than, you know, three, three pointers from your, you know, from your point or not from your point guard, but from your, your, your starters. Right. So 
Yeah, and you I mean, saw you saw. I mean, Aaron Afualo is he's still trying to. He admitted that he hasn't really played competitive basketball in eight months because he was a free agent. He didn't want to jeopardize you know his career moving forward. So he's got to get his legs back under him. He has to get used to playing with this you know high level of competition. The Nuggets gave him a fat new contract, so he should have every reason to work back into shape as fast as possible. Um, Did he seem a little gun shy to you? He looked During a the game, little. He looked a little, maybe a little timid a couple of times. But I was really impressed with Lawson's, you know, his outside shooting as well as his mid range game. And that's where I'd like to see, like you're saying, Aflalo needs to really be the one that's stepping up from the three point line and getting his mid range game going, and as well as you know trying to figure out how to get to the foul line more than just one trip. Um, Danilo Gallinari, he was. He, you'll never get. You're never going to call him gun shy. He's going to, you know, no matter what kind of night he thinks he's having, he's going to take up, you know, he's going to get at his shots. He loves to shoot the three-pointer. Didn't do very well from there last night, just one of five. But I like that. I, I think that's cool. I mean, I, I would rather see a guy like him early in the season be one for five from three-point land or, or four for ten from the field goal range where he was. Last. I'd like to see guys get out there and just start launching it up. And, and I know this game was – and this game was actually a perfect time for him to do that because they were pretty much leading the game from wire to wire. So I did like Daniil Gallinari. I mean, 15 points is a little disappointing from a guy like him. Um, but that, that, I, don't think, I think that's great. I mean, I think that is the attitude he should be taking is and just you, get out there and launch it up, fire it up, throw it up. And, and not, only, not only that, but he'll do some other things for you too. You know, he had seven rebounds last night. He had three assists. He got to the foul line, you know, I think he had three or four trips there. So he was, you know, he does like to play inside and outside. So if he is open from from deep and they close out on him, he does like to drive it. He had a nice dunk to uh, open the season in scoring last night over Dirk Nowitzki. And he had a very unselfish play. Al Harrington had made a steal on one end and thrown it out to, uh, I believe it was Lawson and Gallo, that were no one was around. And Gallo could have went in, had an easy dunk, padded his, you know, had 17 points. Instead, mm-hmm. he throws the ball back to Harrington, who was trailing the play with still no one around, and allowed him to, you know, get the easy bucket, which was kind of, you know, rewarding him for his nice defensive play. Absolutely. So that was that was a cool thing to see. This team really seems to enjoy, you know, playing together. I think chemistry is probably not going to be an issue because these guys all have a common goal, and it does seem like they actually care about each other and like about or like each other's game and I mean that's kind of what you want to see out of a out of a smaller market team is a team that is made up of good guys that enjoy playing basketball together yeah now what about Nene because uh, okay it's the first game of the season there's 66 games we don't want to read into it too much but what are we doing we're reading into it Same Nene f- 23 minutes eight points that's all good fine whatever you got seven rebounds which is great right yeah no offensive rebounds, but now he's more in the power forward position. What I don't like is when I look at the line for this Nuggets team and I see Nene have two personal fouls and I see Mozgov with two, right? Gallinari with two. Uh, nobody on the Broncos, or <laughs> excuse me, nobody on the Nuggets team except for Aaron or Al Harrington had three or more personal fouls. Well, you want to see them foul more? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a tough team, you know, you get six, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you got to get out there and you got to play physical, I mean, a guy like Nene should have four fouls a game. 
He should, right? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, one way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, it just means that he's shying away as he has in the past, and whatever. It's the first game, but yeah, you want to see guys like that get up there and get four fouls in a game. You're not fouling out, you, you know. In the NBA, they give you six fouls. That's a lot of fouls for one guy to get. And when you when I, it, when I look at that foul count, I look at guys that are just kind of being maybe like a soft player like maybe we always thought he was but and i kind of wonder with mozgov he only had the one foul and i I think to myself is he or has he been told that if he racks up fouls is he gonna does he feel like he has a short leash where if he does get two quick fouls are they gonna pull him or is that something where he's gonna be able to be aggressive and you know take some chances like you're like you're talking about same with nene uh he's kind of in the same boat as a flalo where he you know also had eight months of basically not trying to kill himself by playing in competitive games because he was a free agent, didn't want to jeopardize his uh, future. So it's kind of funny to think about, you know, these guys want all this money, but they're not improving their game during the off season because they're afraid if they get hurt. So what is, you know, egg, chicken, basket? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that and I respect that, but there's in basketball, there's a thing like you want to, right. I mean, there, there's, there's a battle going on and this is a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. A guy like Timothy Mozgov and a guy like uh, Nene, right. They have to go out there and they have to make sure that when they get a foul called on them, that one, it was deserved and two, it was on their terms. It's kind of because tough. if guys start pointing out or recognizing Nene as he's soft, then they're going to start dr- trying to draw fouls on him. And, and so it's a mental game. It's a head game. And he's got to go out there and he's got to get some fouls on his own, right? He's got to go in there and he's got to, hey, maybe he takes a technical, you know, early in the season. Maybe knock some guy on his butt early in the season. Whatever you do, those little things is going to deter a guy from saying, oh, man, I'm going to go in there and draw a foul on Mozgov to get him into foul trouble if indeed Mozgov is important to our team. But if he's not, if he's playing 14 minutes and scoring one point and getting two rebounds or whatever he had and leaving with one foul, then you know he's going to be a non-factor. So I want to see this team be more, be tougher than they are. Run the ball, but be tough too. Yeah, and I think that you'll, you'll see them, you know, depending on their opponent. Dallas is kind of tough to get into a, a physical game with because they don't really play a physical style and they also don't come inside very often. I mean, they are a, a primarily jump-shooting team, so I think we'll see that more tested uh, tomorrow night in the home opener against the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are, are built off, you know, a driving point guard. They have a surplus of big men. So we're, we're going to see, you know, Birdman, as I call him now, Dirty Bird, because he looks like a uh, a trucker with his <laughs> his slicked back, greasy hair, his uh, elongated goatee, and his you know plethora of tattoos. But we're gonna see Birdman, we're gonna see Nene and Moskov be uh, tested more against the Jazz inside, and then uh, this weekend we have uh, the Lakers twice. So we're also going to see uh, that inside game. Andrew Bynum will be back for a game. Uh, Pau Gasol, so they'll be mixing it up, and hopefully that game is one of those uh, more rival games where you do see some some bad blood start to maybe uh, boil up. Absolutely. That's going to be fun. I love it. Nuggets are back. I'm excited to see that Jazz game too, man. I mean, no one in Colorado should or uh, should ever even entertain the thoughts of liking the Utah Jazz. So, Yeah, you hear that, Kim Constantinesco of PredominantlyOrange.com? Yes, that phenomenal Broncos blogger. Yeah, she's a great blogger, but For football. Poor, poor judgment when it comes to basketball. Poor choice in basketball teams. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything you need to add here about the Nuggets before uh, we move on? I know next week we're going to have a lot more to talk about. We're going to have a lot of games. They have a back-to-back-to-back to back to back this weekend uh, starting on January 31st. They play the 31st, the 1st, and the 2nd. Wait, wait, this weekend? You said, this, you said January 31st. Did you mean December 31st? December 31st, okay. of course. They play December 31st. They play January 1st and 2nd. Uh, two of those games are against the Lakers. We're going to see, you know, everybody that, wants to. Are those at home or? It's uh, a home and away. It's in, one's in L.A. and one's in uh, Denver. Oh, right. They play L.A. on the road, then Clippers at home, and then they go to what, Portland? Uh, it's No, they, they're playing the Lakers twice in those games. They're playing, I don't remember exactly what it is. I'll have to, I'll have to I think they down. play the Lakers and the Clippers back-to-back, and then they go to Portland. Not for that's later in the season. This one oh, it is, is uh, yeah. This one's uh, Lakers, Lakers, and somebody else. Oh, okay. But it's kind of a mess. But um, you know, a lot of people got excited about this win because the Nuggets, you know, blew the doors off the Mavs. There's some questions now about how good are the Mavs still? Are they going to bounce back? It's it, they've only played two games. The Nuggets have only played one. We'll see. Um, you know, we do the show next Tuesday. We're going to have you know four more games under our belt, so we'll get a better feel for what we have in this Nuggets team. But uh, I got to say, so far so good. So far so good. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our top five list of the week. This week will be top five holiday wishes, right? Top five holiday sports wishes. Correct, sir. That's it. I like it. Yes. Awesome. Right back. Welcome back to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. My uh, IT guy, my co-host. <laughs> the IT guy. Doesn't IT just mean he fixes things? Please, please don't put your cell phone that close to the speakers. It creates back feedback. <laughs> we got uh, my, my boy here, you Ross Martin. moved your phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, don't know. I, don't know. I was like, speakers? I don't have any speakers over here. Actually, they're called monitors. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're back. Of course, my co-host, Ross Martin, myself, Nate Timmons, bringing you our top five holiday sports wishes. And Ross, just to show you how much of a, of a nice guy I am, I'm going to let you kick this one off for us. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, get, I appreciate getting the bone thrown to me every once in a while because, you know, usually I'm just the IT guy. All your hard work. You lead <laughs> us off. Number five. So it's hard for me to talk about, you know, holiday wishes for Colorado sports because in a way I feel like all my wishes have been granted. Oh, jeez. But that's because I've been very Bronco-centric. Let me get some of this cheesy queso dip for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but honestly, though, the Broncos, at the beginning of the season, we had – there was a lockout, NBA lockout. There was a football lockout. Then the the football came back, and the Broncos stunk. And then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, whether or not it was Tebow or not or whatever, it was. But the team turned around and started having just such a an exciting time. So in a lot of ways, I'm just very happy with the sports culture and the sports atmosphere in Colorado right now. So it was hard for me to come up with more wishes because how? I mean, how, how do you? How do? What do you give the guy that has everything? Right. I got everything going on, but I do. I did think of some here. I was going to say, thank God, because and kind this of, is our list. <laughs> yeah. I kind of looked summer. at it. I kind of looked at it as like, uh, what, what would I like to wish for um, 
for 2012. That's how I looked for it. I don't know how you did, but that's what I did. Oh, yeah. That's so, what I did. So number five for me, I would love to see a resurgence in uh, the state of Colorado's uh, football, college football programs. Ooh, yeah. I would like to see specifically the Buffs and the CSU Rams have a resurgence in the quality of play, the quality of athlete. I'd like to see a changing of the atmosphere when it comes to that. I would love to see the Rocky Mountain Showdown be something that means more than just the interstate rivalry. I would love to see they got I know the CSU has this new coach, John McElwain. I like to call him McElwain. McElwain, yeah, which is fantastic. He comes from uh, Alabama, which is such a great thing. And and then the CU Buffs coach is going to be coming into his second season. And so I, I would just really like to see a change in that atmosphere because honestly it's been just like the laughing stock of the of the national college football landscape granted it's not as bad as say a team like ohio state or some of these teams that have been you know gone from glory to this like uh i don't know how would you explain just they're they're now like embarrassed because of what they've done i'd like to see the cu buffs and the csu rams come back and but do things the right way you don't think the cu buffs have been embarrassed by any scandals well that's true but it's been (laughs) but but here's the deal here's the deal uh the buffs have buffs didn't win anything when they were doing that right and by the way benefit and they didn't have such egregious violations I, i think a lot of what happened up at cu a lot of those scandals were yeah blown out of proportion yeah but you know but but anyway, moving forward, I'd love to see that back. Uh, and I think they will. And I think that they're both on the right track. And so uh, that's my number five uh, wish for 2012. My, my, if Santa Claus is working on next year, I hope he brings me that. I like it, man. And there was, uh, you know, I th- believe there was a time recently when both programs have been, have been ranked. And it would, it would be great to see both those teams come into, as you say, the Mile High Showdown with a, with a little ranking in yeah, front of their absolutely. name. Yeah, Let's get more. For one thing, let's get more televised games for both these teams. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to, like, get a, a satellite package that has channel 9,432, uh, you know, the college sports television, um, Rocky Mountain region, um, when it's QVC during the day, you know, like I want to see them on regular TV. I don't want to, you know, be the situation where you got to hunt for it down. But so anyway, yeah, number five, college football in Colorado coming back. All right. Yeah, that was a, that was a good rant there. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. My number five. Uh, I and, and what else I want to say about college? No, <laughs> for my number five, I can't, I can't say where these seats are, but I will just say that, uh, there are some members of my family that own uh, season tickets for the Broncos. Uh, I have some multiple family members that do own season tickets, but, uh, one group in particular, something I'd like to see is the family in front of uh, a set of our seats. <laughs> I'd like to see this family. I don't know how, but lose their season tickets. <laughs> this is by far the worst family ever to have in front of you at a sporting event. A uh, couple examples, they uh, enjoy eating burritos during the first half of the game. And uh, somewhere around halftime to the third quarter, those burritos have traveled through their bodies and they are now being spewed back out into the wonderful open air that is around us. And it's awful. It's disgusting. Uh, I would even say that these Broncos fans might even be what Ross would call vermin in front of me. <laughs> Wait, they're Bronco fans? Yes. They're, then they're not vermin. Okay. But, uh, they're beautiful. An, another horrible example of them, uh, they do a, a chant where they go, one, two, three, first down. 
What? Yes. Every first down that the Broncos make. So they do that like four times a game. <laughs> now, yeah. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but no, but seriously, like, really? Yes, it is awful. And then... They all do it together. They try to get people around. Some people around do it. I usually boo during this segment. Uh, I can't stand it. Uh, this third, isn't something the whole stadium does. No, no. This is. I just, mean, I'm in the stadium. This is just Glenn, this Glenn, loser family. I'm often foggy in that stadium. Yeah. But uh, the the third thing this family does, they get uh, very upset when people in front of them are standing. They uh, will say stuff to people who are cursing around them. Every member of this family is uh, well over the age of 20 now. Uh, there's no reason to be upset by foul language around you, especially when you are an old woman that uh, at the end of the game feels necessary to turn around and make comments to people uh, or, or make comments to people in front of you. You're at a sporting event. What is up with that, man? I don't know. What is with these people? I don't know. I'm sorry. You take your kid to a game. You don't want them to be exposed to curse words. Curse words are everywhere. Yes. I know we don't curse on our podcast, but no, but but seriously, yeah, it's you're at a football event, game, and not only can you not stand to hear them, but you have to say something to that person. It's like one of you is going to probably get punched by someone at some point. In How time. is this? Should be your number one because I, I I share this plaint, and this family is just dorks. So that's my number five. I want this family to somehow lose their tickets. I don't care how, but they should be banned from the stadium. These are the people that should not be at games, especially in the South Stands. Well, if that, I'm not saying that's where this is. Oh, right, it's, right, it's right. A family member of mine somewhere in the stadium. <laughs> we have multiple. I have multiple family members with multiple season tickets around the stadium. So. Sorry. <laughs> so whoever that family is probably isn't in the South Stand. Yeah, sell your tickets, get rid of them. But that is my number five. Can't stand them. Love it, Ross Martin. Love number it. four. What do you got, man? 2012. I have a lot of high hopes for the Colorado Rockies. A lot of high hopes. I, my number four wish, my holiday wish is, what, you just distracted me there. Yeah. <laughs> my number four wish for, the, for this season, for 2012, is call Rockies, quote unquote, return to glory. And by that, I mean, I want them to live up to all the expectations that we have, had hoped for them uh, over the past few seasons. Last season was an absolute train wreck. Um, Houston Street is gone. Uh, now I hear that Troy Tulowitzki had made personal appeals to Michael Kadire to come out here. Yeah, they're pretty good friends us. from what I understand. And I think that's awesome. I think that um, it's could be an, a great season. I think that they have the foundation. So my number one wish or number four wish is to have the Rockies come back and just uh, have a season kind of like the Broncos have. They don't have to win the World Series. Um, not that the Broncos couldn't. Let's just, I mean, I think they could. Yeah, they but, could win the World Series. Or the Broncos could win the Super Bowl. But, <laughs> but, but the Rockies, <laughs> the Rockies, I want them to come out there and have a great season. I cannot wait. I'm already getting Jones for opening day because that's one of my favorite days of the year. And that is still four months away. But you know what? That's only four months away. It should almost be actually, a it's nas- more like actually it's more like three months away because it's always that first week of April. And it should almost be a national holiday, right? It absolutely should. Absolutely should. And I will I will call in sick on that day. Pre call in sick. The pre call in. <laughs> the pre call in. <laughs> but so yeah, so my number four, uh fantastic Rockies season. Let's not be as disappointing as they were this season. I like that. I would love to see the Rockies have a, a season where they, you know, fulfill their promise and make the playoffs. 
Michael Kadir, lead this team to greatness. Yeah, what do you got? My number four, Ross Martin. Excuse me. I want the Denver Nuggets to win on March 19th. March 19th, of course, my birthday. Oh, wow. The Denver Nuggets are 0 and 7 since 1986 on March 19th. <laughs> You're kidding. No. Do you always go to the games? All did you have you been to all seven of those games? They played uh no. I from 86, I believe I was only 4 years old. Um they played in Miami against the Heat last year. It was a tough one because it was the second of a back-to-back against Orlando. They lost. Um, they don't play every year on March 19th, but they have seven times since 86, and they've lost every one. This season, they might get a little redemption. They're playing at home, which never happens on my birthday, and they're playing the Dallas Mavericks, who we just slaughtered, and I got tickets. On March 19th? March 19th, I got uh, one of my Christmas presents. That's Nuggets tickets awesome. for my birthday. Who, who got you that? The, uh, the lovely young woman that uh, I've been dating. Ooh. Good move right there. Very nice. The way to win my heart is to get me Nuggets tickets. Did you, do you have the tickets in your possession? Not yet, no. But get those because a lot of things happen in you know, three and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big game, man. I got to go to this game. So this was, the, this was the girl that you uh, DVR'd the Bronco game for so you could go have lunch. Correct. Wow. It's a big, it's a big, uh, big, big play right there. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Mr. Broncos game. But this would be great, man. I mean, like I said, 0-7 since then. My number four wish, give me that win for my birthday. Oh, I have no doubt that they'll win that game. Yeah. Let's just throw that out there right now. I predict that victory, not just because it's your birthday. And by the way, you know, happy birthday in advance. I'll be 30, man. 30? 30. Yeah, I was noticing last week, you never fail to make the mention that, you know, you're under 30 and I have, I think last week you said, already over the hump. You mentioned that many <laughs> times. You're like, you know, like, uh, we're guys in our 20s. Well, you're 30, but, uh, you know, I'm still so, hey, you know what? Yeah. What, what, uh, after that, I'll start to uh, rub it in a little bit. <laughs> All right, man, we're going to our number three top five holiday sports wishes. Ross Martin, what in the world do you have? Denver Nuggets. This is about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Nate. I, over the past five years or so, maybe not that many, maybe three years, three seasons, I've fallen, I had fallen out of love with the Nuggets. Oh, I have wild. just, I've just been, I don't know how to put it, but I've just been become kind of annoyed with a team that had had all that talent yeah. and squandered it because they would rather have a big ego or or whatever it is. But I feel like the Nuggets have trimmed the fat. And that's kind of a weird <laughs> thing to say, right? Yeah, because they true. got rid of guys like uh, Carmelo Anthony and Kenyon Martin that are supposed to be like all-stars, right? They're supposed to be guys out there that... Supposed were, to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kenyon Martin has always had a pretty disappointing career. But I feel like this season, with the team we have in the shortened season... I feel like the Nuggets can really make a run at this. It's a 66-game season, which is not, like, vastly shorter than an 82-game season, right? Right. But that does make a difference. And it's not only that, is that there was less prep time as well. And people didn't know or the players didn't know when they were going to play. So I think the Nuggets have an opportunity to use their youth, use their ability. And so my... Number three wish is to see the Nuggets make it to the NBA Finals. Ah. 
And I think they can. I really do. It seems to me like the Mavericks, which might be the biggest obstacle in the West this season, believe it or not, even the Lakers I don't think are going to be that tough. No. But I feel like the Mavericks may have been one of the top ones, but it seems like they're kind of maybe planning on rebuilding this year or something, you know, with their with their team. They, yeah. I don't think they have the the legs to make it, you know, but th- there's some other tough t- matchups in the West, but I want the Nuggets to make it to the finals. I don't care if they win it or not, but make it there. Because, you know, we all know if they do, there's going to be a tough team, whoever they face, because the East is great. But So, yes, yeah, so that's my number three. Nuggets, finals appearance, please. Please. I'm falling back in love with the Nuggets <laughs> is what I'm saying. I like that. Uh, maybe it's because we've been doing this podcast and you're a Denver Stiffs guy. I'm always spouting off about the Nuggets, comparing them you to are. everything. Your enthusiasm is <laughs> contagious. So that's my number three. What do you got? My number three, I'll make it uh, pretty simple. I want to see Nuggets owner Josh Kroenke open a Twitter account. His father was known as Silent Stan because he didn't really like to talk to the media. Uh, Already we've seen the difference there. Josh Kroenke has been a a part of the Nuggets press conferences, whether it was the draft, the the Nene resigning. He's put himself out there in front of the fans a little bit. He has attended one of our uh, Denver Stiffs night out that we had. Um, you know, he, he is making himself available to the fans, which is what I, I love to see. I mean, that's why, why would you own a team if you wanted to, you know, be known as silent Stan? So I like Josh's approach thus far. It'd be pretty cool to give him a, a way to interact with fans. And, you know, if he, if he doesn't want to do that, I would love to see the general manager, uh, Poland Elway, Masai Ujiri, open up a Twitter account. John Elway is on Twitter. He does interact with fans and it would be uh, cool to, to hear some stuff that he may have to say, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great attribute of owners like that. On one, on the other hand, would you rather him be like, uh, oh my God. Mark was, Cuban. Yeah, Mark Cuban. And be very outspoken. Or whoever owns the Cavaliers. Dan Gilbert. No, yeah, you definitely don't want Dan Gilbert. But, you know, Mark Cuban has dumped a lot of money back into that team, that stadium. Uh, always spends money on his, on his payroll. Um, I don't know what team he assembled this year, like you said, but... Um, yeah, it is nice to see Josh take a, a, a more mellow approach than Mark Cuban, but uh, it is also great to see him out there interacting with uh, with the media, with the fans. It, it's nice to to have you know that uh, it's nice to have that relationship with your owner, where he does want to have a relationship with the fans. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, go ahead and set aside my jealousy of him being. I think he's younger than me, or maybe like just a year or two older than me. Yeah, and he owns an NFL team or NBA team. Let's go ahead and set that aside. He is young, but... Uh, yeah. And the fact that he played for Missouri. <laughs> right? Yeah, CU fans don't like that. <laughs> but that was my number three. I want to see Josh Kroenke or Masai Ujiri open up a Twitter account and give the fans even a little bit more access, even though they give us a ton already. Number two, Ross Martin. What in the world do you have? All right. So I mentioned at the top of this segment that I am completely and utterly satisfied with the Broncos season. I really am. If they didn't make it to the playoffs... I would still consider this a successful season. But my number two, my number two holiday wish is for the Broncos to have a playoff victory. Ooh, a playoff victory. And the only way they can do that is if they make it to the playoffs. My number two was for the Broncos to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. See, come on. I think we're definitely going to do that. We are... uh... We're on the same page. <laughs> we are, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love it. I think it would do so much for this this town and this team, these fans. 
I, uh, it's not just because I want to wear my Elway jersey to two games this season because I just got it on Christmas, but um, it's because I, I think that this team needs it and our, our fans need it, and it's been so long, and I want to see I want to see this season, however it has turned out, turn out to be a real season. Uh, John Boehner had mentioned a couple weeks ago, and I keep referencing him because he's you know a phenomenal mind when it comes to the Broncos. But I want to say, you know, he said a lot of things don't matter until you make it to the playoffs and win a playoff game. But then he also said, yes, this season is still a victory. So I agree with him a hundred percent. But I'd like, I'd like it for Tebow. I'd like it for our our defensive veterans. I'd like it for Willis McGahee. I'd like it for John Elway. I'd like to see this team have a playoff victory and it hasn't happened since uh gosh was Shanahan yes yeah, since, since we went Shanahan. to like the AFC like, championship game yeah, against the Steelers we lost the Steelers and that was in like six years ago yeah right so that's my number two wish and uh I, I think it's gonna happen you know that's my number two as well I mean this team has just come too far you know they went from one and four with all this suck for luck talk to not make the playoffs would just be, I, I think, for me, it would almost be a tragedy, you know? I mean, they're, they're so close. you got one game left. You're playing Kyle Orton. Beat him. Get in. Like you said, you know, do it for these veterans, Champ Bailey, Brian Dawkins. Do it for the young guys that, you know, want to get their career started off on the right foot. Von Miller, uh, guys that are coming back, Willis McGahee. I mean, this team has just come way too far from 1-4 and four to – being within one game of making the playoffs. Oh gosh, want to see it? And what's so amazing is how this has come about. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's awesome. It's so fantastic, man. So, what in the world could your number one be? Well, this one, this one, I don't exactly know how to say it because last week we talked to Carl Mecklenburg, which was a great honor for us. I know it was, it was awesome. for you. It was a huge honor for me. Yes. What a cool guy. What a great. NFL talent, Denver legend, and such a great ambassador and a representation of Denver sports and, and who we are. Now, he had mentioned last week that there was something that was going to happen over the past week that would indicate whether or not he made it further in the uh, process to make it into the Hall of Fame. Right. I have heard nothing. Have you heard anything? Has there been any second round of cuts or anything like that? It was supposed to happen this week, this week like he said, but uh, no, I haven't. I haven't heard. We need to need to research it. I haven't heard about it, and I've researched it. I can't find anything about it. So here's my number one wish: Carl Mecklenburg gets the credit he deserves and makes it into the Hall of Fame. Now, if it's too late for this one, if there's something I haven't heard about, then my wish is for him to get in there next year. Or the year after, but eventually that guy deserves it. I have made many allusions to my, I don't know, my, I guess I've been a little bit jaded by the process. Right. I, you know, many times we've had people in here doing quizzes and I've said things like, well, you know, who uh, has more Pro Bowl appearances? Andre Tippett, you know, the New England Patriot. Hall, Hall of Famer, Famer or Carl Mecklenburg. And it's always Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg has the credentials, the stats, everything better than guys like Tippett. Yet, for some reason, a guy like Tippett gets in. You know, Mecklenburg's been to more Super Bowls than that guy. So it's like it's time for him to get the credit he deserves because he does deserve it so much. 
And so that's my number one. Yeah, love to see that. And there's a couple people I know we can reach out to to see where that process is. So we'll have to do that update everyone out there next week if it hasn't been released to the public by then. Absolutely cool. Love that one, man. My number one. You, you had it, I believe, for your number three. I want to see an NBA Finals appearance for the Denver Nuggets. Um, you said before, you know, crazy sixty-six game season. Who knows what's going to happen? This could be uh, one of the times that you know the breaks do come uh, the Nuggets' way. Uh, Nineteen seventy-six was the lone Finals appearance for the Nuggets, but that was in the ABA. They've never been to the NBA Finals. 2008-2009 Western Conference run they ended up losing to the Lakers that was a series where it felt like if the Nuggets had some uh, some better experience they probably could have maybe won that thing they definitely had opportunities to win that um, the past eight seasons they've been in the playoffs seven out of eight of those have resulted in first round exits in the past four seasons they have 50 plus wins you know, this is a new team that's capable of, of you know, I don't, I don't know, 50 wins. They'd be 50 and 16. That's kind of crazy to think about. But maybe they can get, you know, in between 40 and 50 this year. I have no idea. But I want to see them make it to the finals. I don't care what they have to do to get there, who they have to kill. Uh, doesn't matter to me. But let's, let's see them get there. And, and the, I think one of the most uh, telling and most intriguing aspects of this season is that George Carl now is the figurehead of this team. Right. And since he's been here, he has not. He's just been the coach. When you have guys like Carmelo, Anthony on the team. So I think Carl, George Carl can now come in, and I feel like he can coach these guys, mentor these guys, teach them how, how to be better players, and, and so uh, maybe hopefully teach them how to, you know, draw some fouls a little bit or take some fouls. <laughs> yeah, give uh, some get, fouls. Get tough in there too, right? I mean, speed and yes, toughness sir. can win a lot of games. So, absolutely. Yeah, that's the list, man. That is the Five list. through one. Good list. We cranked through that one. Yeah. So who should we uh, – this is episode number 21. We're about ready to wrap this up. Yes. Who should we dedicate this one to? I think we've we, – uh, we, we didn't dedicate last week's, but I think it was pretty obvious it was to old Mac. Yes, Good indeed old number it was. 77. Um. Where do you want to go? You want to go Nuggets? You want to go Broncos? You know what? Uh, I'll let you pick. Number 21. Who do you think? 21. Not necessarily number 21, but our episode 21. Yeah, episode 21. Let's give this one to Ty Lawson coming out, leading the Nuggets with 27 points. Looking unstoppable. His three-point game was working. His mid-range game, he was getting to the rim. Complete player this year. Last week team. Or, or two weeks ago, I asked you, I said, 33 games into the season, who's our leading scorer? You said Daniel Gallinari. You stand by that? or Standing or, by it. You are? Yeah. I don't think that's a bad call, but uh, I think Ty Lawson could be the energetic boost that this team could need on any given time. And it's cool that he's playing alongside Andrea Miller, who maybe maybe can show him the ropes a little bit. Show him the ropes. Show him how to make some more of those savvy moves. Uh, Ty Lawson, a kid coming out of North Carolina that you know won a championship there. Nice college career. Nuggets were able to make a trade to get him with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, this is now his team. He's a starting point guard. It had always been either, you know, it was Chauncey Billups' team before that. So, man, Ty Lawson. Awesome. Well, that about does it 
want to remind everybody to uh, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, if you have an Apple product, that's fantastic. It's very easy to do. Just go to the iTunes store, type in Colorado Sports Guys, and click subscribe. It's free. If you'd like, you can go ahead and throw a review up there or click some stars because that uh, helps us get a little bit of feedback. And you can also email us directly, show at coloradosportsguys.com. We will respond to your emails, and we'll read some of them on the show here as well. We're also on Twitter. Colo Sports Guys, C O L O Sports Guys, and then Nate Timmons. What's your Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is just uh, at Nate underscore Timmons. T I M M O N S. Nate underscore Timmons. It's pretty straightforward. And uh, friend us on Facebook as well. Do all that good stuff. Let's interact. Send us whatever you want to talk about. We know we've got a lot of you out there listening, and uh, you've all been really great. And uh, we appreciate and want you to keep doing it. Yeah, thank you everybody out there. Hope everybody had a good holiday, and we'll talk to you guys, I believe, in 2012. That's right. See you next year.